Welcome to In the News Show. I'm your host, Judy Desigatis, and I'm here with my co-host, Father Bill Weary. How are you today, Father Bill? Very well, Judy. How are you? Good, good. And hello to all of our listeners as we get closer and closer to the the beautiful solemnity of Christmas. I want to thank Joe Nebestinsky, who is our technician today, and also uh, David Hillowitz for our theme music that he provides to us. So um, today, while we're recording this show, is uh, actually the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, That is a big feast day in the church. And I know, Father, you wanted to share some information that you have uh, about this particular feast day. It's a a fabulous feast. And it was three appearances in the year 1531 to a Chiquimeca Indian convert to the faith. And he was a widower. And Our Lady um, appeared to him several times and asked him to go to the bishop to have a, as she put it, a temple built at that spot outside of Mexico City, although it's in the city now, in the city limits. And um, he was met with skepticism, of course, and eventually uh, pulled it off by Our Lady saying, go up to the top of the hill and put roses in your tilma like a poncho and present them to the bishop. And he did walk back into the city carrying this bundle of, of, of roses that were growing out of season in December right. on top of the hill and uh, released the tilma. The, the roses tumbled to the ground and on the tilma was miraculously, un, unbeknownst to Juan Diego, and until he saw it, was a miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And uh, the tilma is preserved, is still preserved um, 500 years or more later. And, and about 500 years um, above the altar of the Shrine Basilica in Mexico City. I've been there twice, and it is it's amazing. It is not deteriorated all the time. Cactus fiber tilmas usually deteriorate after about 30 years, and it's still fresh. The colors are still fresh. They've done microscopic studies on the tilma as to how the image got there. It's not paint. And even under microscopic scrutiny, they can't figure out exactly how the, uh, the image got on the, on the cloth. And so uh, millions of Indians began presenting themselves for baptism um, when they heard about this, because she appeared as a dark-skinned indigenous young girl, as speaking not in Spanish of the conquistadores, of the conquerors, but of the Nahuatl language of the Chicameca Indians. So that was all very impressive to the native population who did uh, begin converting in droves. And I love to point out that as we were losing millions in Europe at the same time to the Protestant Reformation, Our Lady was gaining them back through uh, the appearances in in Mexico City. And I just want to um, quote something from Our Lady, from the words of Our Lady to Blessed Alan de la Roche who uh, died in 1475, and he was a Dominican priest who promoted the rosary. And this is what um, Our Lady said to him, and I'm quoting. And this is an article, by the way, about how we should not be defeated or discouraged by the advancement of, of same-sex marriage that, and, and homosexual unions. Um, and we should still continue to stand up for it, pray about it. And the author of the article that I wrote 
advocated praying the rosary because the rosary is very powerful. And here's what Our Lady said to Alan de la Roche. Through the rosary, hardened sinners of both sexes become converted, became converted and started to lead a holy life, bemoaning their past sins with genuine tears of contrition. Even children performed unbelievable penances. Devotion to my son and to me spread so thoroughly that it almost seemed as though angels were living on earth. Mm. The faith was gaining and many Catholics longed to shed their blood for it and fight against the heretics. People led moral and law-abiding lives and worked wonders for the glory of God. Holiness and unworldliness flourished. The clergy were exemplary. Princes were just. People lived at peace with each other and justice and equity reigned in the guilds and in the homes, unquote. Wow, what a great mm, world that sounds like. That's beautiful. Like. Our Lady was talking about a previous age when the rosary was very prominent and all the, the great peace and the unity that that brought about. So on, a, on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, we certainly can uh, promote the rosary now, now and always and rejoice in what a, what a wonderful gift uh, this feast is and uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception just a few days ago as well. Right, and it, it, it's not a coincidence, I call it a God incidence, that the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe would occur in the Advent season, prior That's to right. Christmas, when we talk about peace and unity and coming together and, and praying for healing, uh, and then also, as you said, right after the Immaculate Conception. Um, but it, it also precedes um, the O Antiphons, which is, brings up another topic. Um, the O Antiphons are... Uh, said during the late Advent weekdays, correct, Father? Don't they start at about the 17th of December? They start a week, um, they start a week before, um, I believe it's um, December 18th, 18th. exactly seven days before Christmas. And these are the, uh, for Vespers, the official evening prayer of the church, uh, which, and for every Vespers, the Magnificat is recited. My soul glories in the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That was a great hymn of praise that Our Lady <clears throat> uh, sang to or, or, or brought forth uh, when she and Elizabeth met. And Our, and Our Lady um, came across with this great hymn of praise, which is done every Vespers. And there's a little warm-up verse. They're called antiphons mm-hmm. every, every before um, all the psalm recitations and before this this canticle of Mary, as it's called, or the Magnificat. And the last seven days before Christmas, the antiphons begin with the word, oh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and that's, uh, that's to signify the great longing that we should be feeling those last seven days. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, this is so wonderful. Here's the one. For December 18th, the, the first one, O sacred Lord of ancient Israel, who showed yourself to Moses in the burning bush, who gave him the holy law on Sinai Mountain, come, stretch out your mighty hand to free us. And here's, here's December 20th, O key of David, O royal power of Israel, controlling at your will the gate of heaven, come. Break down the prison walls of death for those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and lead your captive people into freedom. These are very effective when chanted, uh, when sung. Yes. Most, most priests uh, do it privately, but it can be done you know, in a group, in a parish. 
And um, yes, the the old antiphons uh, really bring out that that desire we have for the coming of the Savior. Yes, yes, they, those are beautiful, and they they do get us excited right right before the the week before Christmas. Exactly. Um, so th- those are some nice ways. Um, thank you for sharing with us, Father, to to prepare and little little snippets about what we can, you know, be celebrating in this Joy Week. This we just had Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete so, Sunday. Yes. Um, we are rejoicing, and we're getting closer to the birth of our Lord. So uh, thank you for sharing those. Um, want to jump back uh, into a news item um, that you had shared with us too, Father, um, about there's a new president of the USCCB, Archbishop Timothy Brolio, and I think he's also the Archbishop for Military Services, I, yes. I believe, too. Um, and you wanted to, to share with us something that you had uh, re- heard re- referencing a think tank called AMAC, which is not a faith-based uh, document. Um, no. Would you like to share and- about what you found there? Well, they, they just did a wonderful uh, profile, November 27th, <clears throat> it was posted on Brolio, and uh, just what a uh, real model of leadership um, he is. Uh, he's um, spoken out on controversial matters in 2020. Brolio released a letter of clarification in the wake of a documentary that seemed to show Pope Francis approving of same-sex civil unions. So leading some to think that the Catholic teaching on marriage had changed. And he um, clarified that. He noted that the clip, that the comments clipped had reference to certain particular political situations. And um, while, while Catholic teaching on, on both love and respect due to all persons made in the image of Christ, including those with same-sex attractions, was always in place, so too was the permanent teaching on marriage and sexuality that ultimately comes from God. And Brolio made that clear. I'm reading... I'm reading from the from the document, and he said, um, "This is good. This is a good quote from him. It's useful to remember. It's useful to remember that the church teaches through official documents with degrees of importance that vary. She does not issue official teachings in interviews, off the cuff off the cuff remarks on airplanes, or even in merged statements in documentaries." Unquote. So the um, this think tank just uh, speaks very highly uh, of the bishop and it and it's good that he is president of the USCCB that bodes well I think for all of us and for the faithful in, in the United States I'm expecting good things to come out of this Yes that that's very exciting I had the opportunity Need a last to, minute stocking uh, stuffer Holy him. Family Radio <coughs> has the swag you need We have WHYF license plates ceramic Holy Family Radio coffee cups and vinyl clean stickers Suggested donations are $10 for the license plate $8 for the cup and $2 for the sticker Give us a call at 717-525-8110 or email us at contact at 720whyf.com or just stop by and say hi 8 West Main Street in Shiremanstown. Well, uh, we are going to be going to break, and uh, we, when we come back, we'll be talking about um, some Catholic population trends and some other things that are going on. So please stay with us. You're listening to 720 WHYF Holy Family Radio. We'll be right back. Hello there, Holy Family Radio listeners. Mike Creevy here, wishing you all a wonderful, blessed, and very Merry Christmas season. You know, AM720 WHYF has been such a blessing in my own life as a listener, volunteer, show host, and as an employee for a time. 
As you receive the blessings of Catholic Radio in this Christmas season, I invite you to please consider giving back in any way you're able so that Holy Family Radio's mission of evangelization can thrive. God bless you, and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Need a last-minute stocking stuffer? Holy Family Radio has the swag you need. We have WHYF license plates, ceramic Holy Family Radio coffee cups, and vinyl cling stickers. Suggested donations are $10 for the license plate, $8 for the cup, and $2 for the sticker. Give us a call at 717-525-8110 or email us at contact at 720whyf.com or just stop by and say hi. 8 West Main Street in Shiremanstown. Welcome back to the In the News show. And I wanted to mention a couple of other articles that we were talking a lot about these Catholic traditions and everything. And I'm proud to report, according to the National Catholic Register, that the U.S. Catholic population shows growth and there's a trend toward uh, southward. And what that means is not going south, but going physically <laughs> south in the country. We're showing that the Catholic population in the United States has grown by about 2 million people in 10 years. And with nearly 62 million people, it continues to constitute the largest religious body in 36 U.S. states, according to the latest religion-focused survey of America's religious congregations. And then um, with respect to the trend southward, over the last decade, many Catholics, the survey found, have, have moved to the south, which I thought is interesting because the south is kind of the, the Bible belt. Mm-hmm. So uh, it said 50 years ago, 71% of U.S. Catholics were in the northeast and the Midwest, and in 2020, 45% were in those same areas. And the South now has more Catholics than any other region. And I didn't see this quote when I just said that, but it says, I was surprised, the person that wrote the article said, I was surprised to see there are now more Catholics than Southern Baptists in Missouri and Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, good, this is good news that there's uh, the 2020 survey said 61.9 million Catholics in the U.S., um, which is about 18.7% of the entire population. Um, so that, that is good news. Um, I know worldwide we are approximately 1.2 billion. Right. We've just, we right. just been surpassed by the Muslims, uh, who are about 1.3 billion. Wow, okay, I didn't know that. But it's good to see evidence of growth. Um, even small steps, incremental growth, uh, that's that's heartening. Because I know we've mentioned on the show, too, with the increase in the attendance in the Catholic schools. So this is nice to, to hear that um, we, we have Catholic children going to Catholic schools and Catholic families, and we're, and we're growing. Um, and it says the Catholic Church has been the single largest religious body in the U.S. for more than a century um, and the average number of adherents per congregation is 3,000 for Catholics, unusually high compared with other groups. No other group has had as many two, as 2,000 adherents per congregation, and only five others had as many as 1,000. And there's also a large Catholic congregations are common also in the West, which is also good. So um, it's nice to hear that all of the, the states are, are growing, specifically in the South, and in some areas maybe where you wouldn't think we would be growing. It is just amazing when you meditate upon the church. We are one of the largest organizations in the world, one of the largest non-governmental charitable organizations in the world. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, the great good that the church does but through its charities, its hospital, its, its medical care system, education system, just uh, it, it, what a gift. Uh, 
from from God that the church is to us. And people put down the institutional church. Sometimes I'm spiritual, not religious, and sometimes there's a denigration of the of the structure of the institution. But that's such an important part, as well as the mystical element, the spiritual element. The uh, institution does such great good. Um, staying in that southern area of the country, I have an article here from the Catholic News Agency. I thought this was something I, I didn't know this at all. It's the mighty Mississippi, the meaning the mighty Mississippi River, was <clears throat> once named the River of the Immaculate Conception. And wow. um, it, I like the way the article starts off. It says, Immaculate is not a word most people would use to describe the Mississippi River's famously muddy waters. But Father Jacques Marquette, who was a Jesuit, um, he was an explorer who came from France as a missionary to Canada in 1666, was one of the first Europeans to name the Mississippi, which he explored and mapped with his companion, Louis Joliet, beginning in 1673. And the name he gave to this vital artery of North America was the River of the Immaculate Conception. He has, wow. he has entrusted this mighty waterway, which is one of the largest and most important rivers in the world, to the Virgin Mary. Um, and it was part of the French Jesuits' mission to evangelize the Native Americans of the area, um, you know, uh, which is what they did. And they highlight here in the article that they did that not with violence, but with fellowship and respect. So wow. I thought um, even back then they were entrusting uh, rivers to the Virgin Mary. Um, sure. Since we just had that feast day as well. Um, and that's and that's evidence that the truth of the Immaculate Conception was in the, in the deposit of faith yes. before the 1854 definition, de fide definition, ex-Catholic statement by Pope Pius IX proclaiming the Immaculate Conception, all the way back there in the 1670s. I mm -hmm. mean, the, this priest um, embraced that, that truth of the faith in naming the, and so naming the river, and it's a reminder that the doctrinal definitions issued by the Pope, ex cathedra statements, as we call them, infallible statements, which are rare, or um, de fide statements issued by general church councils are just a reiteration. They're not new revelation. They are a reiteration of and a reclarification of truths that have always been believed. We believe that uh, all revelation ended with the death of the last apostle. And everything was in place then. The deposit of faith uh, was was concluded. And, but you you do periodically need clarifications. You need fine tuning. You you need to refute heresies. Um, and um, the fact that this French priest uh, was um, exemplifying this dogma of the Immaculate Conception bef way before the Pope's definition is is a nice reminder. Of, of that, that, that they, these are just clarifications when issued by the Pope. Yes. And they even built a church on the Immaculate Conception River. Um, and this is in Kaskas, I'm, I'm not saying it right, Kaskaskia, Illinois. There's an Immaculate Conception Chapel there in the Diocese of Belleville. So uh, that marks the spot as well. Um, it is uh, that that town was at one time the center of the Mississippian universe and even though it's just a tiny hamlet it's located on the river and it does predate the historic riverside metropolises of new orleans to the south and st louis to the north um, known at one time as the grand village uh kaskaskia was a prosperous nexus of trade for natives and french trappers alike 
Um, so they built a church on that site. Um, and uh, Marquette founded the mission on Easter Sunday in 1675, and he actually died later that year. So he's able to see that mission formed and then, um, you know, was taken to his eternal reward. So uh, something we didn't know about our country, <laughs> about right. a river, uh, the mighty Mississippi River. <laughs> so, um, okay, going on to a, another, I wanted to follow up on this article. This is from LifeSite News. Uh, we had talked several shows ago about Mark Halk. Uh, he was a pro-lifer that had been um, arrested by the FBI. Um, and uh, he, so he has filed for dismissal of these discriminatory federal charges after the FBI raided his home. This was, this was I think, back in the summer or in the early mm -hmm. fall. Um, so the Thomas More Society attorneys have moved to dismiss federal charges against Mark Halk, the pro-life family man who's Dawn arrest by the armed FBI in front of his wife and young children um, basically just shocked all of us. Um, the motion was filed this week, meaning uh, this would be the week ending last week in the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. And it alleges that the prosecution of Halk violates the U.S. Constitution due to the Biden administration's viewpoint that discrimination and selective prosecution against him and other pro-life Americans um, so additionally, the Halk and his legal team are accusing the government of violations of the Religious <clears throat> Freedom Restoration Act and the Free Exercise Clause and arguing that the freedom of access to clinic entrances, which is the FACE Act, is unconstitutional as it applied to Halk. So this is good news um, that they are fighting this and uh, we will have to see what the final uh, would be. But I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about that because we had mentioned it on the show uh, right after he had gotten arrested. Um, this thank God. Thank God for organizations like the Thomas More Society. Right. right. Um, they really go to bat for beleaguered believers. Right. And uh, I would be expectant of a positive outcome uh, in that in that court case because so patently ridiculous the whole raid on his on his home and uh, just because of his pro-life views that uh, I I would pr hope and pray for and I, I kind of expect a vindication there yep yep and kind of kind of staying on the same um, you know pro-life pro-family <clears throat> um, uh, this is also from LifeSite News. There is uh, uh, libraries that these libraries that have been hosting these drag queen story hours uh, there is a Christian actor, Kirk Cameron. Um, he proposed to the libraries. He had written a book, uh, and he wanted to uh, read this book or have this available at the libraries, and they basically have turn, turned him down uh, under the auspices of diversity. Uh, this one library that he wanted to go to, he wanted to hold a faith-based story presentation in public libraries. And according uh, to the report, uh, Fox News had reported that um, it was this new children's book, As You Grow, and the library basically uh, rejected it, saying that this is not something that, um, you know, we're, we are a very queer-friendly library, and our mes messaging does not align. I mean, here we are again with another story. Yeah. We well, that's just, uh, yeah. that is so sad. That is sad, and, that is sad. Uh, I expect Kirk Cameron to, to stand up to yeah. this, this sort of thing. And um, th there are not a lot in Hollywood that are on our side, but there are some. And, and I hope he would align with the, some of the practicing Catholics uh, that are in Hollywood and are doing, are doing good work. And like Mark Wahlberg right. and Jim Cave Caviezel, mm -hmm. who played the role of Christ. 
in um, in the um, Mel Gibson's uh, Passion of the Christ. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully uh, truth will prevail. Well, Father, we have about one minute to go. Is there anything that you'd like to leave with us since we're going to be um, celebrating Christmas in just about 12 days? Anything just, um, that you'd like to leave with our audience? Just the wonder of the incarnation. When you look at that manger, either at church or at your home, and you see the figure of the little baby there, first of all, consider that it was a very, uh, it was a very crisis-oriented time. There was no room in the inn there in a barn. Right. They, they uh, we romanticize it, but it was suffering. But just look at that, uh, look at that scene, and know the humility of God that He would become one with us in such a manner, and teach that. Just teach that to our children as we stand at the at the manger. What a wonderful catechetical opportunity to uh, the uh, nativity scenes that we have, and let's not make them just decorations, but opportunities for spiritual growth. Right. And with that, if you would leave us with a prayer, please. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us to prepare for the great feast of Christmas that it comes. May our hearts be mangers for the baby Jesus spiritually. Keep us always in your grace, happy and holy and healthy with our family and friends this holiday and always through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God Amen. bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you.